You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and ripping on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. All right, so here we go. Another uh, action-packed episode of the podcast, Delirious Nomads. I believe this is episode number 35. I can't believe how fast we've gotten here. Uh, brought to you, of course, by the f- good folks at Metal Blade Records and my label, Blacklight Media. Uh, very, 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 very happy to have Matt Bacon is missing today. Um, but I will do my best to fill in for him. Uh, but we have one of our most exciting guests of the year yet, Rob Caggiano of Volbeat. A very good friend of mine, uh, but I want to I want to learn more about this guy. So, Rob, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, for sure. I know you're a busy guy, so I really appreciate I appreciate the time. We had some tough technical difficulties uh, as well. I thought I was going to have to cancel, and I was like, no, no. But anyway, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good, hanging in there, trying to get into the uh, holiday spirit. Yeah, it's tough, right? I can't believe it's here already, though. Doesn't feel like Christmas is coming. Yeah, right. It's like. Less than two, what is it? Less than two weeks out. What's today? Then uh, we're recording, we record these about a week in advance. So today is the ninth. Yeah, it's two, two weeks from today is Christmas Eve. It's the 10th, actually. It is. Yeah, oh Friday the 10th. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand yeah. where, where, where the year is going. I, I have no idea. So you're in New York. I'm in New York. Yeah. Um, our listeners can't see this, but they know that we, we can see each other. What's this background you got going on in your home? I love it. A little Rat Pack era situation. Martin, Bobby Darren. <laughs> so, so the house that I live in that you're looking at right now was Bobby Darren's house. You know, I was named after Bobby Darren. Really? Yeah, for real. My father named me after Bobby Darren. Yeah. So I. That's crazy. So, yeah. so tell me more about this. So two years ago, whoever owned the estate, um, it was a it was a much, it was a bigger piece of property, um, but they divided it into two um, two different plots, but still fairly big. I mean, I have a almost ten thousand square foot lot and a, uh, about a six thousand square foot house. Um, wow. That's half of what he had on this particular property. So everything's brand new. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a smart house. It's a brand new construction. But my soon-to-be wife, getting married in May, is a huge, huge Sinatra and Bobby Darren and Rat Pack era fan. Really? Um, yeah, huge. That's crazy. Um, we we bought the house. It went on the market. We and we 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 owned it six days later after going through a little bit of a bidding war. Well, a lot of a bidding war with somebody. But when she found out that it was Bobby Darren's old plot of land, it was like. We're buying this house. I don't care how much we have to pay for it. It's amazing, man. It's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah my dad was a, you know, like the biggest Bobby Darren fan. Like literally really? worked with the guy, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So he named me after him. So was your dad a musician or were you, were your parents? He owned an elevator company for, you know, 
most of his time, but he, he sings as well. He's been doing a lot of singing lately. You know, he does all like the, the classics, like the Sinatra, right? The crooning stuff. He's nice. got a band, he does shows. He does, he does really good. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. I did not know that's that. So I guess that, that'll, that'll kind of get start us off here. It's like, you know, so, you know, now you're this big international rock star, but how does it start? You know, what age do you pick up a guitar or whatever? What did you pick up and, and, how did you eventually gravitate to metal and uh, tell us all the things? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, my dad is like a huge, huge music fan. He, he's like, uh, you know, like I said, really, really into a lot of different types of music. So, you know, as a kid growing up, there was always music playing in the house. Like um, he's really into like the whole fifties thing, like the doo-wop era. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of that when I was probably around five or six, I think it was five. Actually, he got me this little red acoustic guitar. I would like, you know, play and bang around on it and i would kind of do shows i put on this little stupid hat and then i'd fucking do all these shows and like you know at family parties or whatever obviously i wish i had videos of, of that stuff I, you know i wasn't really playing i was just banging on it I'm sure, but <laughs> right, right yeah it was it's pretty funny there's pictures i have some pictures there's some pictures on my instagram from uh from that crazy time but i'd say it was around nine years old when i when i really you know looked at the guitar as like a serious thing and and i really kind of dove into it and it's eddie van halen's fault okay i i uh there's two records that kind of started it off for me the acdc back in black and and van halen one you know as a kid those are the first two vinyls that i got and i just was hooked instantly yeah rest his soul and all and everything of course he actually lived just a few houses down from this house really Um, yeah yeah so van halen and then you know was it was it a, just this aha moment of like, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, what I want to sound like, or was it just a general kind of door opener into all things kind of hard rock and heavy metal or both? I think it was, I think it was a door opener. It just made me fall in love with the guitar. So I started obviously playing, playing it more and putting more time into it and practicing and just kind of mm. finding my way around the instrument at a really young age. And this is all in New York, right? Yeah. It just kind of got more and more deep from, you know, from that point on, you know, just, um, playing a lot you know when you're young you, you have like this it's almost like an insatiable kind of i don't know i, I was i was almost like a sponge like i was just mm. listening to all this different stuff and kind of trying to absorb all of it and you know once eddie van halen hooked me i started looking at other guitar players and um i got really big into zeppelin even though they were obviously a little bit before my time i got hardcore into jimmy page and uh, you know just went down that down that rabbit hole for a bit but I mean, it's just kind of like, it's like one thing led to another, but the door definitely opened for me with, with uh, Angus Young and Eddie Van Halen, mainly Eddie Van Halen. And, I, you know, and when you were young, I know what you mean when, you, when you're young. I think it's just, you have, it's like, it's not, it's not only an insatiable like passion, but it's, you've got the energy for it. You've got the energy for it all day, morning, noon, and night, right? Yeah, um, exactly. So I think, exactly. I don't know, it gets harder as you get older because you're just doing so many other things at the same time. Um, exactly. So, and then, did you know at that young of an age, you know, call it preteen or just about teen, like this might be what you want to do with like, like as a, as a job, as a living, or was it more just for fun at that time? I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I was, I considered myself a guitar player, you know, very early on. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that was, that was it. I never really kind of, I mean, there was a, there was a moment where, cause I was, I was big into baseball too, as a kid, Mm -hmm. I was doing the little league and, I was really into it. And at one point I kind of flirted with the idea of maybe being a baseball player. It sounds so crazy saying that right now, but (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, no, the guitar one, obviously. <laughs> Got it. What position though did you play just for just for? I was uh, second base and sometimes shortstop. I was a catcher, and I um actually was pretty good. Made the All Star team a couple of years in a row. Made the All State team yeah. once. But all I wanted to do was pitch. I didn't want to. I didn't want to catch. I wanted to pitch because my brother Jay had been a, a star pitcher and whatnot. Right. I finally got my opportunity to pitch one game. I faced six batters. I walked three and I hit three. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was back behind the plate catching again. Right, right, right. Wow. (laughs) What a disaster. (laughs) I'm not traumatized or triggered at all by it, but. (laughs) (laughs) And so growing up, what do you, so what are you listening to? What's the first band you go see? First band, I, first show I've ever been to was uh, Hall and Oates at Radio City Musical with my dad. Hall and Oates, that's amazing. Yeah. Still, I mean, Daryl Hall's still probably my favorite singer. Yeah, I, and I saw John Oates in Nashville at the uh, um, the old Opry Theater a couple two years ago, three years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. How was that? It was, it was interesting. It was it was different. Um, he was good though. Hall and Oates were great. They definitely had something. They definitely. Oh, they were phenomenal back in the day. They were phenomenal. Yeah, they're still great. They're still doing amazing shows. But yeah. yeah. I saw them on the, uh, what was that tour? Out of Touch. What's the name of that record? It was like at the height of their. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they were just so on point. Amazing. And then what about for, you know, sort of going more into the rock, you know, it's a long way from Hall & Oates to, to playing in, you know, Anthrax. <laughs> like what were some yeah, of the yeah. rock and metal bands that you saw early? And which ones had like big impact on you? Well, the first metal show I went to, was Megadeth, Warlock, and Sanctuary at the Beacon Theater. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I love Sanctuary. Super young. And I I remember that was a crazy show. I don't know if you've ever been to the Beacon Theater. It's a really nice venue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember uh, the people were just ripping the seat. They were literally lighting the seats on fire and ripping them out and fucking throwing the seats. And someone from above us, like, threw threw a seat and, like, ashes landed on on my hand. Like, Like, I had the scar for years on my hand. From this, from this burn it was crazy but it was cool that was a great show and um you know that was right around the time where, where i really started getting into the whole thrash thing and, and um you know i got hardcore into you know what metallica was doing and megadeth and then you know i definitely fell in love with anthrax them being the, the east coast band you know right right warlock and sanctuary that's like one of my earliest shows was wasp saxon and raven oh that's a good one <laughs> i like wasp it's a long time ago Long, long time ago. I think I'm older than you. But yeah. yeah. My first show was Loudness. Do you remember the Loudness? Of course. Japanese. Yeah. yeah. That was my first concert ever. Um, wow. A hundred years ago. Um, all right. So, so you are, so you, so you're growing up, you're listening, you're starting to get into thrash metal. Um, take us or take me through, cause I'm not super familiar. I mean, obviously I know you've, we've been friends for, you know, some time now. And I obviously know all your work in Anthrax and Volbeat, but prior to that, I got to be honest, I'm, I, I don't know a whole lot about how you got there. Okay. Um, you want the cliff notes? <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, we got a half an hour, whatever you want to do. Like I said, I was, really young i was infatuated with the guitar i got really into it started you know listening to all this different music i started working at this music store this local music store it was called the music store spelled with a z right on yonkers avenue oddly enough it was literally right next door to a, to a classic old venue called the rising sun where bands like raven metallica anthrax they all kind of played there back in the day before they were huge oh nice and i was a fa- very famous place 
it was a strip club when I when I was working at the music store. But it was the same. It was the same building. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of rich history in that building. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, long story short, I I uh, started becoming really interested in recording. You know that whole side of it. So I would I would a lot of times work, but instead of getting paid, I would I would kind of take home gear. I'd work towards like gear. Like at the time, it was like ADATs and stuff like that, and I put a little a little rig together at the house. And I, I uh, just started toying around with that, started playing around with recording and trying different things and ideas. And it was so much fun, you know? Um, so I started getting better at that. And that turned into, uh, you know, working with friends and other, other kids in, in the area that, that played music and, you know, recording some of their stuff. And it just kind of grew from there, you know? Um, and uh, I think at that point I, I, I went to Berkeley and I went to, I went to high school in, in Bronx, Fordham Prep. Then I went to Berkeley for music in Boston. I was there for a couple of years. Never really went to class, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great school for, uh, it was a great place to, to meet other musicians and, sure. you know, jam with other people. You know, growing up, you know, in New York, it was, I found it was hard to find other people that had the same passion as me, you know, for mm -hmm. music and for, you know, just for creating stuff. So being in a, in a school, like, you know, in that kind of environment where there's just thousands of kids that are all just really obsessed with music and doing their thing. It, it was a really inspiring thing. And, um, but as far as like going to the classes and the, the whole academic side of it, it just, I tried it. It just didn't yeah. work for me. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to play. I didn't yeah. really, you know, the other stuff did, didn't interest me as much. Um, but it was great because at the time there were a lot of jazz players in, in Berkeley and there weren't that many rock players. I was like one of maybe four or five other guys, you know, that were doing the rock thing and taking it seriously. Um, but yeah, I would, I would get called all the time. There was like a, a music production and engineering course in, in Berkeley. And those, those kids would have to like, you know, put together bands and record them. And mm -hmm. that's how they, that's how they got graded and stuff. And there were these amazing studios at Berkeley, big SSL rooms and stuff. So I would always get called to do the sessions. And that was an amazing experience. It was so much fun. It's surprising. So By the way, it, it, it is surprising to me to hear that you didn't like going to the classes because I, you know, I see you as a very, like, you're a very cerebral guy. You're a very smart guy. And, you know, um, I could just see you getting geeking out to like music theory and all this kind of stuff. But I guess I'm wrong. Yeah. I get asked that all the time. I'm definitely not a music theory guy. I mean, I can play all the shit. I just don't know what the hell it's called. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. No, I, I, uh, I approach it a little bit differently, you know. And I kind of, I, it, it almost was a conscious effort to not go so deep into music theory. Because I, I saw, and this, you know, goes back to the whole the Berkeley days. I just saw a lot of my friends and, you know, uh, getting so wrapped up in, in the theory thing. And it. I heard it in their playing that they were kind of getting, I don't want to say stuck in a rut or, or whatever, but you, you kind of get, you tend to overthink stuff sometimes, I guess, you know, I guess the beauty of that is, is, you know, once you become a master at, at, you know, the theory stuff and you really, it becomes second nature and then you don't even think about it. It just kind of flows through you. Right. 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 That's an awesome, that's an awesome thing. But yeah, I, I, I found, you know, anytime I've tried to, to go down that road, it was a little bit stifling and it just kind of, uh, it just took the fun out of it. I guess that's the best way to say mm -hmm. it for me. You know. That. Uh, okay, so you're doing all the sessions. Yeah, I'm doing all that stuff. Um, but I wasn't. I wasn't in Berkeley that long. I was there for maybe mm, two years, two and a half years, if I remember correctly. I came back to New York, and 
I answered an ad in the Village Voice. This band, local band, was looking for a guitar player, and uh, went out there for the audition. Cool guys. It was a band called Boiler Room at the time, and um, we hit it off. The audition was great, and that was it. It's like they were sharing a room at the time with uh, another amazing band from New York called Candiria. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So the, these guys are from Brooklyn. So I went out to Brooklyn, met with them. And uh, yeah, like I said, we hit it off and that was it. It was full steam ahead with this band. And we, we built a huge following in New York, you know, played a lot of uh, a lot of great shows, you know, in the area. And we were drawn a decent amount of people, uh, worked our asses off. <laughs> we got a big record deal, toured the world. Still one of my most fun tours, uh, you know, in the memory bank. But yeah, we toured the world came home and broke up immediately. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, no. um, yeah. What, uh, who were you out with on the, when you were out on tour? With- well, in America, we, uh, we actually did a lot of touring with Disturbed and Mudvayne back in the oh, wow. that time. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, both of those bands were just getting started as well. Yeah. And we ended up doing a lot of touring with them. So yeah, that was, that was fun. In Europe, we did a, we actually did a headline tour, which was, Amazing. It was an amazing experience. It was our first time being in, in Europe, being outside of the country as a band. So it was really exciting. But, you know, I mean, it's kind of a cliche story, but, you know, for rock bands, it's, it's um, you know, before you make it, before you get your first shot, you know, everyone, everyone's cool. Everybody's best friends and, you know, you're, this, you're a team and it's this whole thing. But you put four or five guys in, in a bus yep. like that put them on the road shit changes you know yeah. it's it's uh it's not easy yeah. you know it becomes um it becomes a whole nother animal so you know i i learned that very early on in my career mm-hmm. obviously yeah so from that point the music scene as you know is, is a very small circle you know everybody knows everybody so i had a lot of uh, mutual friends with the anthrax guys and i also knew those guys as well i think at the time mike monarula was also managing us for a minute who Got it. manages anthrax sure. he's been with those guys forever so it's kind of like we all knew everyone and um and they rehearsed literally like five minutes away from where i lived growing up <laughs> in yonkers so yeah one thing led to another and yeah i found myself in that amazing band <laughs> what, what what year what year did you start with with them i started jamming with those guys i think it was 99 2000 maybe oh, wow yep yeah with, and so uh, is that john bush at that point it was John Bush, yeah. Yeah. John Bush. But it was kind of a weird Did you play with era. both? Did you play with John yeah, and Joey? I did, yeah. It was kind of a weird time for Anthrax. Um, you know, you know, like I said earlier, I've, I've always loved the band, I love the music. I love their take on the whole thrash thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was just their sound and their approach is definitely different than, you know, oh, yeah. the other three bands. And I just loved it. But, you know, and I'd been following their their stuff for a while and it just there was always something weird about their guitar player situation ever since Dan Spitz left. Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel solid. I mean, Paul Crick ended up being a friend of mine, becoming a friend of mine. And uh, he was playing with those guys for a minute. And he, he actually ended up working on, on a, a boiler room demo with me <laughs> before we got signed. Yeah. It's all, all the stuff is coming back to me just now, but yeah, Paul's a really good guy. And, uh, but you'd, you'd see them like they do like band photos and he wasn't in the photo. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. It's weird. So I kind of took that as, Oh, maybe, Maybe the, this slot is open. Like maybe something's going on here. I don't know. And I, uh, I definitely made it known that I, that I wanted to play with them. You know, I, w- I wasn't shy about it. I, I was. Right, right. They knew I wanted to play with them. <laughs> you know, um, 
Yeah, it's a, one crazy thing I did actually. Um, they had put out the uh, Stomp 442 record mm-hmm. back then. And this was before I knew them, like before I was like friendly with them. I knew them a little bit, but not not really. I got, an, I got an advanced copy of the record from someone. I don't remember who, but I learned like three of the songs and I played everything and sang them. <laughs> Leads, drums, you know, whatever. And I sang them and, and I, I made this recording and I met the guys that uh, when the record came out, they did like a record signing thing at Tower Records in the city. I remember giving, giving the CD to Charlie. I'm like, check this out. I don't know if you listen. I think he listened to it, but he must, if he did, he must have thought I was completely crazy. He's like, how did this guy... <laughs> How does he know these? What the fuck is going on here? But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was, uh, that was it. It just kind of, you know, one thing led to another. And um, so also back then, my production career was kind of happening as well. I partnered up with my friend, Eddie Wall, who's another record producer. We, we started this company called Scrap 60. But back then, it was right around the time where like this anthrax stuff was happening. And the band was in a weird spot. Like there was like label issues, all kinds of weird stuff was going on with them. I didn't really know what was, what the real deal was, but um, just seemed like, like something strange was happening. They, they were on this one label and now they're on this other label. And yeah, I don't know. I think it was just a weird time for the band. Uh, but Charlie called me up one day and, and asked if I wanted to jam. Sure. Let's jam. So we, you know, we got together and we played. It was cool. It was fun. I was definitely a little bit nervous, but it was fun. Um, one thing led to another and, uh, they were about to make a record. This would this would have been this was the We've Come for You All record. Mm-hmm. I said to them, "Let me record one song on spec on my dime, mm-hmm. and see how it goes." It was me and my partner Eddie because I wanted to do the record. That's what I'm getting at. Right. So because that would have been that would have been awesome. So we go into a studio. Uh, it's a place called Bear Tracks up in Suffern, New York. Great studio, and we record this song, Superhero, and it came out awesome came out really good. Everyone was really happy with it and it worked. It mm-hmm. we ended up producing the whole record. Nice. And um, it was also my debut as the guitar player on that record. So it was a really cool thing. So two two careers just kind of sure. took off for me. Just right. from that one record, we've come for you all. Wow. Yeah. That's great. And then you had a really nice long run uh, with with Anthrax. Um, how do how did we get here? Where and by the way, here is I might add um, we are one week removed from Volbeat's last record coming out, um, which uh, I've been on the phone pretty much nonstop with Brian Slagle, Susie Cole from Apple Music, um, you know, just anybody and anybody just talking about how amazing this record is. Um, so awesome. congratulations. But so, so you know, n- not necessarily the story of you leaving Anthrax and, and joining Volbeat, but maybe just more the story of, you know, okay, so now you've joined, how'd you get hooked up with the Volbeat guys and and how did that become a permanent gig? And then how did it become a huge thing? I mean, you guys are now one of the biggest, I mean, you, you, know, you just are, you're one of the biggest rock or metal bands in the world. You've, you've, you've toured with Metallica, right? You've toured, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that. It doesn't get bigger than that, right? <laughs> No, I mean, unless you're in Metallica, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to make it short. So I had been with Anthrax for a while with John Bush, you know, toured the world, did did a lot of amazing stuff, great shows, you know, working that We've Come For You All record. And the guys wanted to do a reunion tour with Belladonna. Spitz. Bush got really pissed off about that. I, I rightfully so. 
mm-hmm. I was like, I just didn't understand it. Didn't make sense because it, it just seemed like there was a lot of momentum. But at the time, the band had, you know, there was a manager that that came on board, and he, he just horrible. Just did like all the wrong stuff started happening. Anyway, they they did that, and John and I were kind of sidelined for a bit, and that. It, it, it was great because for me, I, I did a lot of great production stuff. You know, I got my first Grammy nomination with Cradle of Filth during that time um, and did a lot of great stuff. So for me, it was it was awesome. Like I didn't lose a beat, you know, uh, but that thing didn't work out for them. That was like, like a short lived reunion. And there was issues like they didn't know what as a band, they didn't know who was their singer. They didn't know what was going on. Right. So for a minute there, they had no singer but they still wanted to continue. I don't know if you know any of this story. Yeah, I think I do. I hope I'm, hope, I'm, I hope I'm saying it in a way that, that nobody's getting pissed off. <laughs> but <laughs> I but whatever. I think you're good. Um, yeah, so they had no singer. Uh, I remember talking to Charlie. There was this guy uh, I met online. His name was Dan, Le- Dan Nelson. And uh, he was a singer. And I kind of hooked him, hooked him up with the band and they hit it off. Uh, so he was he was the singer in the band for for a minute there, and we were uh, we were recording worship music. You know, we went in the studio to record that record. Um, the songs were all done, and uh, yeah, I remember doing the vocals with, with him. I was recording his vocals, and yeah, I mean the songs were coming out really cool. But we we didn't like finish the whole record. Like we did like a handful of tracks, and then I think we had to go on the on the road if I remember right. Like we had some shows booked, and um, long story short, didn't work out with with Dan. He ended up, you know, leaving the band shortly after that. And it was a, it was, it was a crazy, crazy moment. But um, so again, now Anthrax was on hiatus. So out of that came this band called The Damn Things. Yes. Uh, that Scott and Joe Troman started. And then they had asked me to be a part of it. And so I joined that band, ended up producing that record, which was a lot of fun. Great record, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I'm really proud of that one. I think that I love, I love Keith too. I love Keith's voice; is, is amazing. So yeah, but yeah, great, great record. Thank you, thank you. So yeah, um, made that record, went on the road, and Volbeat took us out on the road. That was like one of our big tours as a band. So yeah, we went out with those guys. I became friends with with the Volbeat guys, and one thing led to another, and here we are. You know, we really hit it off. We we remained friends even after those tours were done. You know, but back then we talked about. You know, I always thought I would, I would, you know, we could make a great record together, you know, mm-hmm. if I can get those guys in the studio. And uh, they seemed like they were up for it. It just wasn't the right time at that time, you know, but fast forward a couple of years and everything made sense, you know, because I uh, made the decision to leave Anthrax. And um, those guys were about to go into the studio, Volbeat was, and they, they had called me to see if I was still interested in working with them. And it just happened so quick. A few days later, I was in Copenhagen and we were throwing around, you know, new song ideas. It was, it was cool. It just kind of happened really fast and, but organic, you know, organically. Yeah. So here we are. <laughs> I mean, as, as big as ever. And but I do have an interesting question for you, which I, I mean, no, uh, I want this to come out correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I know you guys did a run or I don't know if it was canceled or not around the pandemic. You were going to do a run with Slipknot. Did you, did you end up doing with Volby? Or that was you- before the pandemic. That was, um, yeah. I, I guess my question is, you know, you're two very different bands, right? You guys are, Volbeats, you guys are heavy, but it's a different kind of heavy. Um, you're super fun and catchy and you have a different vibe about you, obviously, than Slipknot. Mm-hmm. And that seemed like an odd pairing for me. 
um, and I didn't get to go to any of those shows, but how were you received? Was Philby received well by the hardcore Slipknot fan? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like those shows went over really well. Yeah, we weren't sure at first either how that, how that was going to go down. But it's like, you know, we do what we do. And we definitely won people over every every night. You know, it definitely felt like our audience, our audience was getting bigger. You know what I mean? Right. Got it. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, of course, there's going to be the hardcore, you know, metalheads or whatever that, you know, they're always going to talk shit or whatever. But um, yeah, we I mean, we could see it on their faces when we're on stage. We, yeah. we know who's, who's having fun and who isn't. And most people were having fun when we were up there. You know, I think, you know what it is? I think, I think we were like uh, a nice break because you had Gojeri at Behemoth. Yeah. And us, it's, it's a totally different vibe. And then the Slipknot thing. So it was, it was, um, I think in the big picture, it worked really well. You know what I mean? That's a tough assignment though. Following Gojira and Behemoth and then opening for Slipknot. That's a tough assignment. <laughs> <laughs> good, good for all you. great bands. <laughs> yeah, and then this particular record that just came out last week—is it was that intended, or was that moved along qu- quicker on the timeline because of the pandemic and there's more time for writing, or, or how'd yeah, that it just it just kind of happened. Yeah, it, it, you know, obviously the whole world was sidelined with this whole pandemic thing, and it was a tough thing for everyone. We're still going through it, obviously, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of how that came about. And any, do you guys have any? What's the touring plan? For, for 2022 we did three weeks we did a lot of the festivals you know we did uh mm-hmm. we did the sacramento festival um aftershock aftershock i always forget the name of that one yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, did, that was great uh, metallica was on that bill as well i was in conversations with danny wimmer pre-pandemic about starting to yeah. get involved in these festivals and doing some yeah. fun activations like you know a barbecue with rob caggiano on a you know on a friday afternoon or something <laughs> yeah you know what i mean so hopefully hopefully we'll get to those next year but anyway go ahead Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So we did three weeks and it was uh, terrifying at first, obviously, because yeah. of everything that's going on. And we were going to all the all the hotspots, Florida, Texas, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these places. It was a bit crazy at first. But once we got up there, once we did our first show, our first show ended up being Atlanta. It was supposed to be Florida, but we ended up having to cancel that one. Yeah. So once we got up there and did our thing for the first show, it was like, oh, OK. Let's just fucking do this. Like it's been way too long. It feels really good. And we just we just did our thing. It was great. It wasn't as uh it wasn't as crazy as as you know we thought it would be, or I thought it would be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you watch any of the news right now, it's like Yeah. Well now we got yeah, the variant and it's insanity. Yeah, the Necronomicron. <laughs> <laughs> That's like why do they have to name it something so ominous? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, it's nothing to laugh about, but it's just like it's just so much doom and gloom. If you put your TV on, you know, it's so crazy. But, you know, one of the cool things I noticed when I was out there on the road is, you know, people are just living their lives, you know, they're yeah. just doing their thing. And uh, I think, yeah, I mean, just I, I just hope we all get back to, to normal soon. You know, well, I mean, I have, as you know, I have tons of restaurants all over and nightclubs that um, I'm, a, you know, my company but I'm a partner in, uh, we operate and in Vegas, we operate several and it there. It's like, it's like what pandemic, like, and it's, it's scary in some ways, you know what I mean? And yeah. we, we go the extra mile to, to, you know, protect everybody and protect their guests, but you can never guarantee right. anything. And honestly, like when you go to the casino floor at one o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night, and it's just like packed to the gills and, Yep. You know, 
dudes or something like smoking and it's just like it's just it's just awful i, I used yeah. to love i used to love to gamble i don't gamble. it's cured me of my gambling problem <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah i mean it's it's uh you got to be careful i mean we were definitely very careful on the road you know that's another thing that really took some getting used to you know just being in your covid bubble and in a lot of ways it actually sucks for 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 bands right now because yeah, at least speaking for myself, you know, I, I love meeting the fans. I love interacting with them. Like if it wasn't for the fans, what the hell would I be doing? Yep. You know what I mean? So it's an important thing for me, but we couldn't do any of that. You know, yeah. I have to like talk to them from like all the way down the parking lot. You know, we couldn't get near anybody. You know, yeah. it just, it was against the, uh, the protocol, whatever, but we were really careful, you know, wore the whole mask thing backstage, you know, whenever possible, whenever, you know, we needed to, it was all in all, it was weird, but, when we were when we were actually on stage, it was awesome. Yeah, and then I'm sorry that I don't know this. I should. Do you have Do you have a a tour scheduled for 2022? Yeah, we have a big big tour co headline tour with Ghost starting in uh, oh. January in uh, America. I, see, I told you I did not know that. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah, um, it's gonna be fun. And we have this amazing band opening up called Twin Temple, one of my favorite yeah. bands. Oh yeah, I know I know who they're. Yeah, yeah, very cool. LA band, S- yep. Satanic Duo. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. It's really uh, good. Yeah, I tried to describe it to my wife once, and she, I said, I said, satanic. Oh, she would love it. She'd, she'd like it. Yeah, no, she does. Um, I, I said, satanic Amy Winehouse was what I, was that how I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. that's great that they're opening. That's going to be a really cool tour. Good for you. They were opening on this last little run we just did too. Oh, cool. So if you have to nice. see them every night. They're 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 awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anything else you want to shout out? Because we're at the end of our time here already. Um, where can people find you on, you know, if they want to follow you and they're not following you already? Oh, you find me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rob Cajana. Very easy. <laughs> I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> um, oh, I got my uh, signature guitar here that just came out with Jackson. Very nice. Called the Shadowcaster. So, yeah, this thing came out. Right before the whole pandemic thing, you know, at, at that NAMP show. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many hands I shook at that NAMP convention. You know, <laughs> God only knows how much of this COVID thing was going around. I mean, that's, that's like 400,000 people in, in, a, in yeah. a room, basically. Yep. You know, I, I don't know if I can blame them, but I was at a uh, KISS show on March I want to say March 20th of 2020 and March 24th, I was COVID positive and sick for six weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. um, I, I don't know if it came from that show or if it came from the flight back, but it was definitely right, right there. I was really sick, actually. But whatever. We don't need to get into that. Sorry to hear that. It's all good. I'm good. Um, all right. Well, I, we will not keep you any longer. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. It's fun Thanks to learn me. some things about you. Um, I would say come in for dinner, and but I you do, you do. <laughs> you're one of the guys that actually does come in from time to time. <laughs> so uh, when are you going to be back in New York? I'm going to be back the first week of January, and then um, flying to Vegas on the eighth to see what is supposedly David Lee Roth's last and final show of all time. Oh, um, his last show was going to be New Year's Eve, but maybe I have it wrong. Uh, no, he's doing he's doing the seventh and the eighth in Vegas, but he said he says the eighth is his last show. So I know uh, from what I hear, Alex is supposed to jam with him. Oh, that would be amazing! That'd be amazing. Yeah. 
I see, be- that, that that Kiss show actually that I just referenced, David Lee Roth opened, and um, I I didn't really know what to expect, um, and it was quite frankly amazing. Um, he uh, he did like twelve or fourteen songs, all the hits. Obviously, he sounded great. I don't know, maybe there was some there was some help from behind the stage, but he sounded great. But more importantly, he had this giant smile on his face from ear to ear for the whole yeah. set, and it was yeah. infectious. So yeah. you know the arena and the arena, which would normally not be that full for an opening act, was was three quarters full anyway, and um, it was just such a good time. Um, so wow. I'm, I'm super excited that I have an opportunity to see him one more time. I hope his health is okay. I might I might see you there. All right. I would love that. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, let me know. We will all have dinner together. Awesome. I will. I'll let you know for sure. All right. And so for our listeners out there, I want to just say, sorry, Rob, that you have to be a part of this one, but this, this is what happens when you're the last one of the year. I want to thank everybody <laughs> for listening all year long. We, we, we launched this thing um, 35, 36 weeks ago. Um, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, as you can tell by our guests. Um, uh, although actually we got off to a pretty strong start too, but anyway, thanks so much for listening. We have so many great guests lined up for the early part of the year. We are going on holiday break, so we will see you after the holidays. Wishing everybody out there a happy holidays, Rob, wishing you happy holidays. Thank you You very much. And everyone stay heavy and get lots of metal under the, under the, uh, under the tree or, or, uh, (laughs) for Hanukkah or whatever. (laughs) All right. That's it. Take it easy, brother. All right, man. Cheers. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.